What if everything came with a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible? Like at the cantina. I'll take a half-calf spotchka. Lightweight. Here's your free audiobook download for Master and Apprentice from Audible. Or getting your pod racer serviced. My pod racer needs upgrades to the coupling and stabilizer. And here's your free audiobook download for Resistance Reborn from Audible. Life in the galaxy doesn't work that way, but there is one place you can go where you can get a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible. And that's utini.com slash audible. Click the Audible logo and start your 30-day free trial, which includes a free audiobook download. So visit utini.com slash audible and get your free Star Wars audiobook download today. Hey, I'm Alex Segura, author of Poe Dameron Free Fall, and you are listening to The Living Force. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. We will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. A Utini production. We must keep our faith in the Republic. Episode 71, Political with Beltway Banthas. The day we stop believing democracy can work is the day we lose it. On this episode, a new look for the Living Force video. What if the democracy we thought we were serving no longer exists? New Utini supporters. The Republic will be reorganized. Into the first empire. And the Utini crew talks galactic politics with Stephen Kent from the Beltway Banthas podcast. So this is how liberty dies. With thunderous applause. And now, here are your hosts. Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Hankel, and Wes Jenkins. Welcome, everyone, to The Living Force! Ah, oh, second week of that new intro. I never get tired of it, at least the second time. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and if this is your first time joining us, welcome, welcome! You have found The Living Force. You have found Utini, one of the most positive fan communities in the history of the Star Wars galaxy. I am joined tonight by the doctors. We have Dr. Corey Helton. Hello! What's happening? What's happening? Hello, hello. So excited to see you on another Monday. We also have Dr. Charles Hankel. Hey, buddy. Hello there. I could watch that intro a hundred times and I won't get tired of it because I have a lightsaber, guys. A lightsaber. It really does look brat. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm amazed that uh, you got the final clip and none of the rest did, but that's fine. That's cool. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not upset. Uh, we, we also have the man behind the keys, Wes Jenkins. Hello, sir. How you doing? What's up, guys? Good to see everybody here today. It is good to see you, too. It's good to hear you. It's just good to be around you, my friend. Uh, and we have a full house, everyone, because we also have Stephen Kent from Beltway Bantha. Stephen, welcome to the show. Hey, nice to be here with you. Oh, nice to have you, man. We've been trying to get you on here for a while, and schedules finally worked out. Uh, very excited. And everyone watching, hello to you as well in the Twitch chat. Excited to hang out with you tonight. As a reminder, we do this show every Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The audio version of the podcast is released on Thursdays for patrons, and Friday on iTunes, Stitcher, etc., everywhere else. Uh, remember to hit us up on utini.com slash discord to join in the chat fun, and over to patreon.com slash utini. Check out our Patreon. Steven, I want to ask you some questions before we get into a couple updates. I mentioned Beltway Banthas earlier, like your official title. Can you explain to our audience what Beltway Banthas is if they've been living under a rock and don't know anything? Yeah, so Beltway Banthas is the only Star Wars podcast that I know of that is actively committed to breaking down, discussing, and engaging with the politics of Star Wars, whatever they might be, and to whatever person. So we have two purposes. One, to understand the politics within the Star Wars universe, like really understand what's going on in terms of political science, uh, the machinations of the Republic, the Empire, etc., really get how the galaxy works in-universe. And then the other thing is to understand what Star Wars means to fans in the real world. And so I interview people who work in politics and in broadcast media and radio to understand how Star Wars impacted their life, but also impact their worldviews and still inform their worldviews. Because I don't know about you, but Star Wars, for me, is foundational to the way that I see the world. Um, and I think that it is that way for many people who have a lot of influence as well. Absolutely, man. And, and we're going to get into a lot of that stuff as it relates to some of our favorite books and some of our favorite characters a little later in the show. But I, I want to ask you first, just because it's on, it's on the top of my head and I'm sure everyone else listening, you've been doing this show for a little bit and 2020 has been interesting 
politically, <laughs> um, let's just say. Uh, have you, ha- what is it like hosting a political Star Wars podcast now versus maybe when you started? Like, Could you ever have imagined something like this kind of evolving to the way it has nowadays? Well, I never could have imagined being uh, in you know, helming a Star Wars and politics podcast uh, in the year that a sitting president would suggest delaying an election <laughs> from its set date. Uh, you know, wasn't on my bingo card. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just like punching my, my Republic or follow the Republic bingo card. Um, but, you know, like nothing for me will top the chaos of 2016 and trying to sure. launch the show in that mm-hmm. environment and talk to people about the politics of Star Wars there. The Beltway Banthas has kind of been in a, a retooling of its show format this year. So I've actually been doing a little bit less than I was in prior. Uh, but I'll tell you, it's a, it's a divisive, angry, uh, heated year. And Star Wars is uh, unfortunately no exception just by the nature of the fandom and the way that that works. Oh, uh, heated is definitely a word you can use for this fandom, and we we are going to get into that even deeper in a bit, but I I wanted to whet everyone's appetite for a second. Now, before we get back into our major discussion with Steven all about uh, some of the politics of our favorite Star Wars books and things like that, a couple things we want to address about the show itself. Corey, we had some really amazing overlays added to the show last week and this week, and we really messed up last week because we didn't say who made them. So who yeah, made so all we, this amazing stuff we've done? <laughs> we totally dropped the ball last week because everything went to hell as it usually does <laughs> when we launch anything new. Um, but yeah, you guys are obviously taking a look at the new system, the new layout we have. Um, we're streaming exclusively to Twitch now. We're going to be integrating with a lot of cool stuff on Twitch. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we've had a lot of really cool graphics, the new intro. It all looks super professional, and that is all due to uh, Ryan Holland, who is our video graphics designer over at Utini, and he's done an absolute killer job. So he's built all all these overlays, all the intro, the animated logo you see on our YouTube channel. Um, it's going to be deeply involved in uh, the Utini game night, which we're launching pretty soon. We'll talk about that here in a second. Um, but Ryan has absolutely been integral to all of that, and it continually amazes me the incredible talent that we somehow attract here at Utini. So, um, Ryan, we're forever grateful to you, and I know our community is as well. Absolutely. Uh, it, 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 it really blows me away that the bar for entry to Utini has gotten so much higher since Charles and I signed on. Um, <laughs> no, no, Corey, you already mentioned it. Go right in and tell the people what the Utini game night is going to be this week uh, briefly so we can shoot through the rest of the stuff before we get back to the main show. Yes, absolutely. So we've talked about it previously on the show. We're launching Utini Game Night, which once a week we're going to get together live on Twitch, uh, stream some Star Wars games. This is going to be a great way to meet a whole bunch of other folks in the Utini team. I am launching the first night of this myself on Wednesday night, 7 p.m. I'm going to be playing, I think, some KOTOR is what I'm pretty nice. sure I've decided on. Wonderful. Uh, did, great did some choice. testing today. So 7 p.m. Wednesday. We'll see you guys there. Sounds awesome. That will be every night. Wes is also, uh, you're helming that, man. You're, you're getting the schedule together. I have promised to watch the intro videos. I have not, but a lot of people have, and they're going to be coming to you live on Twitch. So check that out on Wednesdays. Cool Patreon updates. We got three new patrons this, guy, this week, everyone. I'm freaking blown away. Thank you so much to Michael Carpentier. Carpentier? Carpentier. Michael, thanks. Uh, we also have Sam and Bria McClanahan. Uh, so the three of you, welcome to the Utini family. So excited for you to check out everything we got over at patreon.com slash Utini. Extra shows, behind-the-scenes content, that stuff. Charles, we may be featuring them soon in this new segment we're going to do called Patron of the Week. Can you tell us, remind us what that is and show us yeah. the first ever Patron of the Week segment? I can. So just briefly for anyone that wasn't here last week, we are starting this new segment, uh, segment, Patron of the Week, where we want to highlight one of you, one of our patrons, because y'all are awesome. We want to say thank you and uh, get you on the show. So uh, Michael, Sam, Bria, maybe it could be you next. This week, it is Timothy. Um, If y'all are interested in doing what Timothy is about to do, then send us a quick video clip, audio clip, or just a few paragraphs written, and we can read that on the show to, to highlight you and say thanks. So let's go ahead and roll Timothy's video. What is up, everybody? My name is Timothy Guthrie. I am the Patreon manager here at Utini. I am very excited to be officially welcoming in the Patron of the Week segment to the Living Force. Last week, Charles and the guys did a fantastic job of explaining what it is, and this is kind of going to be an example video. So um, as I said, my name is Timothy, and I currently live in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I have been a Star Wars fan for as long as I can remember. 
Um, two distinct memories that I have growing up with Star Wars include playing the Rogue Squadron Nintendo 64 game with my grandpa. Um, we used to absolutely wear that thing out. And then I remember sitting in the theater to watch The Phantom Menace when it first came out. I was like six or seven years old, and it absolutely blew my mind. I loved everything about it, and I remember fighting my mom for about for weeks, trying to get my name legally changed to Anakin. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out, um, but I still nonetheless think back on those moments, especially with the love and hate that they've received over the years, and I know that that was a genuine love, um, and I've really come to reconcile that recently. So um, two of my favorite things about Star Wars right now, um, and probably ever, uh, my favorite film is Empire Strikes Back, and my favorite novel is Bloodline by Claudia Gray. Um, both of those stories are my favorites, I think, because they put our heroes in the midst of defeat, in the midst of trauma, um, and they both paint um, a picture of hope at the end of their stories. So they remind me that no matter how difficult life gets, no matter what people say about you, um, what background you come from, um, you can always achieve great things and you can do it with your friends. Um, so I've, I'm very grateful for that. And I'm really appreciative of the Teeny community. I've been a fan for a little over a year um, and I've been a patron for about seven or eight months. Um, and I just absolutely love supporting positivity and being a part of a community of like-minded individuals who just want nothing but the best for each other and for this franchise that we love so much. I do have two questions to end that I want to ask the hosts. Um, Corey, if you could say one positive thing about Corin Horn, and it has to be legitimate, what is it? And two, for everyone else, what is it that brings you guys back um, week to week to do this show? Um, obviously, I love listening to it. A lot of us are here um, because of the positivity, but I wanted to know if there was anything in particular that brought you guys back week after week. So thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. Oh, wow. Thank you, Timothy, so much. That was an awesome segment. I'm really glad we had you on to kick off that segment. Can't wait to uh, get some more patrons highlighted on there. And great questions. I think we're probably going to need to give Corey a second to think of a nice a thing second. to say about Corin Horn. So, the rest of the show, maybe. The rest of the show. <laughs> Um, so I will just say quickly for me, it's really easy why I keep doing this, the camaraderie. I did not grow up with a bunch of friends who were big Star Wars fans. And now you guys are all my brothers in the fandom. Um, and Steven, now you're included in this too, man. So the family's growing every week and that mm -hmm. keeps me coming back for sure. Yeah. And I'm actually gonna, uh, I'm going to throw this to you, Steven, as well. You can be part of this. Uh, so for your show, even though I know you've taken some time to like retool and stuff, what is it that keeps bringing you back to making content in Star Wars? Uh, the fact that the Star Wars uh, analogies in the world of politics never stop coming. I mean, there's not going to be a single month that somebody doesn't tweet, this is how democracy dies, with thunderous applause right. to whatever, right. <laughs> whatever is in the news that they don't like. Yeah. Um, it keeps me coming back, and it keeps me realizing that if you are having a hard time talking to people about what's in the news, you can talk to them about it through Star Wars uh, and come to more common ground than I think sometimes politics allows. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, like, oh, the, man. You should have been on the show a long time ago, Steve. I was like, I got you. Uh, well, I'm going to jump off of that and, and, uh, and go back to a little bit of uh, what Charles said for me to answer your question, Timothy. Uh, I come on this show because I just freaking love doing it. I mean, Star Wars is so applicable, like you're saying, Stephen, to everyday life. And I learn so much just by talking it out. I learn so much about my favorite books by talking them out with you guys. But really, I mean, it's it's a chance to hang out with some of my best friends and talk about the thing that I like. So, and, and the fact that we have all of you all that are listening and watch and talk in Discord and Twitch. Like, it's so fun to have a, a group of people that are in love with the same thing talk about it. So, that... That brings me back easily. Uh, Corey, I'm going to give you one more segment to think about your corn horn answer because, Wes, I want to ask you. Thank you, Cheryl, for calling Wes out. Wes, what brings you back here every week, dude? Besides the fact that we need you or else we would, we would not have – none of this would work. It would all be broken. <laughs> well, much like uh, what Charles said, I don't have a lot of uh, Star Wars fans. I remember in, in college um, I had just started really getting into the movies – and I uh, just heard about the books that my uh, one of my college buddies is like, do you I'm getting rid of a bunch of stuff because I'm moving. Uh, do you want like 
some of this box of stuff and i was like what's in your box of stuff man and it was all his star wars movies and i was like you throwing these away you fool so, <laughs> <laughs> there are very few of my friends that actually got in stars but once i uh once i joined up with you guys there's been a lot of people that have turned turned another uh turned over a new leaf i guess you could say and started reading the books and asking me questions and i'm like why do you, why are you so interested it's like because kind of you're interested and i was like all right man it's 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 rubbing off so that's why I keep coming back so I can spread this disease. <laughs> well, you know what? You are you are the king of the rats, and the rats have now been fed. Uh, there you go. We're we're very we're very happy you're here, Wes. Corey, you've had some time. You've had some insightful talk from Steven. You've had some sappy talk from me, Charles, and Wes. What's a good thing about Cornhorn? Well, I uh, I've had to turn to the Wikipedia article to try to find something <laughs> redeeming about the character, and unfortunately, there's not very much. See, even my dogs don't want me to talk about Cornhorn. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, his lightsaber looks pretty cool. I guess there's that. Yeah. That's something. His initials are pretty something. great. Yeah, sounds like a very <laughs> all right. Well, there we go, Timothy. Thank you for that. And again. Every week we're going to be highlighting another patron, so if you want to send in a video, you want to send in some questions, we'd love to have it. All right, last couple things before we get talking about our main points this evening. Uh, book releases. We'd like to keep you guys abreast of all the book releases that are coming your way soon. As a reminder, August 25th, we got the Clone Wars Stories of Light and Dark, the anthology book. September 1st, we got Thrawn Ascendancy, Chaos Rising. I know we got a lot of Thrawn heads waiting for that one. We have From a Certain Point of View, The Empire Strikes Back, coming November 10th. And today, we found out. It's not confirmed through StarWars.com, but it's found on Amazon. It's found in a bunch of places. The third Alphabet Squadron book is coming March 2nd, 2021. So, I, I can't wait. I'm going to cry a lot. It's going to be really emotional. But make sure, head over to Utini, get those pre-orders in. But now let's talk about it, guys. Uh, politics in Star Wars has never been a foreign concept. Lucas has always been pretty transparent about thoughts he's had about uh, uh, fascist regimes, about war, about things like that. Has always been present in the Star Wars mythos. So, Steven, obviously, when we first heard about your show, it's like, oh, that makes complete sense because of all the things you said earlier. I mean, it's always going to be relevant. It's always going to be something that we can talk about in the modern day and something that we can use to understand politics better through a modern lens. So, guys, I want to open up to all of us on all these talking points. When you think Star Wars politics, what's the first thing that you think of? Do you think of, like, the Senate? Do you think of a specific item? Do you think of modern day stuff? What, what, What twinges in the old brain space? I'll leave it to y'all to go first. I got thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. You're going to be our, 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 our cleanup hitter. Man, that's tough. Back. I, I think maybe for me it's, it's probably just episode one because that's when I really understood, you know, politics was coming in. And that was the first, you know, movie that I was around for as well. So that's probably part of it. But um, I think it was kind of thrust a little bit more into the spotlight outside of obviously the the big bad empire, which is ever present in the original trilogy. But, you know, seeing more of the exact fallout, I think, from uh, from some of the governmental bodies and seeing a queen and how, you know, she still has to go to a Senate that's like for the entire galaxy, like all of those kind of workings where you really, really see up close and personal, the workings of the government in Star Wars. That's my first thought. And I think the poster is pretty fitting for that reason. Absolutely, man. Uh, I actually want to jump on that exact same thing. I'm going to second you before we go over to Corey. Phantom Menace is, you know, I think derided by some fans by being like, oh, it's the one with the crawl about the trade dispute. Like, yeah, that's that's the easy joke. But I think that the politics brought up in Phantom Menace get more impressive to me every single year. I mean, I'm getting, you know, we get older, we get more appreciative of stuff, but I really do think of that kind of stuff and how a galactic government has to work together and how there's inter-strife, but it's all done through intelligent means. Like, they have to divert each other through through bills and through governmental planning and, and how wars are fought on different fronts. So I think that's the cool thing that Star Wars does. And obviously, guys, I think of our Lord and Savior, Bail Organa, who is possibly the greatest <laughs> politician who's ever been in any galaxy, fictional yeah, or non-fictional. Possibly, yes. So, boom, yes. there we go. Uh, Corey, anything else you want to add before we give it to the ringer? Yeah, the last, last – sorry, guys, my wife just got home and Ray and Kylo are going crazy here. Come on. 
They can, they can smell <laughs> politics is about to be just... Apparently. <laughs> like, Dad! Apparently. We would exactly. never do this! <laughs> um, yes. So um, I guess when I kind of think of politics my head really just goes to like the bureaucracy of it all right i mean mm-hmm. like the clone wars is is such a, a, a fantastic story i think because of it, it really really highlights the challenges of very large government and uh like the bureaucracy of what happens and like I, I can only imagine like how challenging it is to get anything done in galactic politics in the senate right i mean we have the united states politics and our senate can't get squat done right so like I can only imagine what it's like. I, I if you can feel, I like that you brought up the the Phantom Menace because you can feel the sort of helplessness of of Padme, like when she goes before the the Senate, of how like it's just so huge and like the wheels are just turning and there's all this greed and corporations are all involved and it's just such a huge mess and it's just a really uh, politics. You know they're they're so wrapped up in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way to discuss Star Wars without discussing politics. Like yeah. it's just so integral to the story. Absolutely, Stephen. What do you think? Well, I think everything that y'all laid out is completely. I mean, it's it, when you think like the politics of Star Wars, the first thing I think you envision right is that Senate chamber. It's really cool, right? And that kind of captures. Yeah what you're talking about when you think about the politics of Star Wars. But I want to go to episode two and what I think the politics of Star Wars really all stem from, which is the conversation uh, that is had between Anakin and Padme in the field of Naboo before they're really awkward rolling in the grass, um, (laughs) where they're discussing um, Padme's career. He's kind of making fun of her. And I, I don't, I don't know the the quotes uh, verbatim or, or line by line, but he's discussing how he thinks the system should work. He's frustrated. He goes, "I think people should get together and discuss the problems, and then decide what's in the best interest of the people and come to an agreement." She goes, well, "That's what we do. The problem is that people don't agree. Well, they should be made to." And yeah. that, to me, is what Star Wars, every trilogy, is about, and it's also what politics is about, and frustration that you can't control everything. And you see that in Anakin's life uh, stemmed throughout the prequels. It, it gets much more violent after his mother is killed. Um, he wants to, he says, you know, I, I should have the power, um, uh, the, the, all the power that I need to control the things around me. He throws the thing across the, the room on the, <laughs> the bunker on Tatooine. And yeah. when I think about politics, I think about that frustration. People want the world to be a certain way or be better. And they get angry when they can't do it. Um, And that's what Star Wars is all about. It's about what are you willing to give up uh, and do possibly that is immoral uh, to make those things reality. Right. And I think that's one of the interesting conversations that really continues today. I mean, you have things like, like the subreddit Empire Did Nothing Wrong, right? Which is, I mean, admittedly a bit of a joke subreddit, but posits the idea in a very, you know, I think a humorous sense that, hey, are you willing to give up some of these freedoms? Because look at all this order that we have. And like right. you said, it goes from Empire directly to the First Order. That's like, if we can rule the whole galaxy, then everyone will be at peace. And I think we see that in a lot of the books, right, guys? Like, we read these books, and there's planets you can visit in the literature that have no idea the Empire is actually bad. Because they're like, I don't know. Um, you know, my grain gets delivered on time. Right. I'm safe. Right. And right. it's a... And it's a hard conversation that I think you, you're right is getting more pressing every and day. May I isn't comment it? real quick on the the you know Empire did nothing wrong subreddit. It you know it's funny sure. right like it's it's kind of this this tongue in cheek joke in Star Wars fandom. It was started by ugh, a writer in the Weekly Standard. I can't remember who, um, but the article is always cited as the beginning of this sort of trollish pro Empire aspect of the fandom beyond people who actually do like empire cosplay actually advocating mm-hmm. and making the case for why the empire did nothing wrong in taking out their belt this is part of a, a broader theme in star wars where they struggle to communicate in many ways why the alternative to the empire is necessarily good a lot of what people get frustrated with in politics is when you tell them their viewpoint is evil, but you can't exactly qualify how yours is not um, going sure, to do harm right. to others. Um, and so there's this sort of trollish assumption, like, well, then we should challenge like the rebellion um, and actually ask them, what do you believe in besides overthrowing the empire? And Star Wars books have done a great job of fleshing that out. Uh, and we're, I'm sure we're going to get yeah. to all that here and more. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Well, hey, I'm going to use that natural segue to go here. Uh, so we, we, we have picked a couple books. Uh, Stephen, we spoke earlier this week about some of your uh, favorite Star Wars political books, and there's some of the top books, honestly, that a lot of people in our community have read. So I'm assuming a lot of you in the chat, a lot of you listening at home are very familiar with these titles. And I kind of want to touch on a few because – a lot of Star Wars books touch on politics, but a few of them touch on some very specific concepts exceptionally well. So I want to touch, first of all, on the book I have next to me here uh, in the camera shot for all of you watching live, which is Infernal Squad, the Battlefront 2 book starring Aiden Versio in her time before the, uh, the far too short but very excellent campaign of Battlefront 2. And it's, it's relation to radicalizing extremists mm-hmm. and to radicalizing people based on tragedy, right? Um, now, Stephen, I'm, I'm going to keep throwing this to you uh, as the guest and expert on this stuff. How do you think Star Wars deals with showing how easily someone can become radicalized for either faction? Well, beyond the radicalization question, Star Wars, um, you know, in the original trilogy, its foundation is, is how quick and easy it is to fall to the dark side. But the dark side is not described... Um, as this thing that has like a a natural set of ideas or beliefs. It is, like Yoda said, it's the quick road. It's the easy way. Uh, It's the Mm -hmm. way that makes you feel the most gratified. That's like what the dark side is really all about, is that gratification. And uh, in Inferno Squad, you're presented with a fractured rebellion. We actually are getting a very clear look at all the ways in which the rebellion is split. And this is hinted at in other Star Wars properties like Rebels uh, and Rogue One, right? Everybody crowded around the table mm-hmm. arguing. But we know that there's Saw Gerrera's partisans. These are the guerrilla fighters who do not want to abide by, you could say, like the neoliberal idealism of Mon Mothma and the idea that right. we need to return to the ways of the Republic. Saw Gerrera believes the Republic to have been evil. And he believes that that is not a system worth restoring. He's a true revolutionary in the sense that he wants to tear everything down and build something new. Uh, And then after he is killed, his followers, they break off into a more extreme sect called the Dreamers. And this Mm -hmm. is where you get into really radical, violent politics. Um, and, and Star Wars is basically asking the question, um, what are you willing to do to achieve your ends? Um, and who has a monopoly on virtue? The answer is almost no one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I want to open up to uh, Corey Charles, you guys as well. When we're talking about Infernal Squad, we're talking about the, green, the Dreamers, right? Uh, and their extreme methods. And we see them through the eyes of Aiden, who is, we know, eventually going to defect to the Rebellion. We know that... We are meant to believe because she's a Star Wars protagonist, she must inherently have some good in her. I think that's one of the one of the admissions we make about Star Wars. Even if we meet someone that's on the dark side in a book, like likely they have some doubts. They have some some good in them because it's it's Star Wars. It's ultimately for kids. We can't teach them to be fascists. Um, But what did you guys think about the portrayal of the Dreamers in this book? Do you think that um, it was Christy Golden? I believe. Yeah, Christy Mm -hmm. Golden. Do you think she did a good job at showing? how extremism can be, well, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, extreme, even if it's meant for, quote-unquote, the right reason? What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I think that Golden did a particularly good job in this book, for me as a reader, making me feel uncomfortable with who I thought were supposed to be the good guys, right? And I think a lot of, of canon Star Wars has done this, where they kind of take it one step further and say, you know, are these still the good guys? Are these still the good guys? Are these still the good guys? As you kind of walk down that path of radicalism. And it's interesting because you could ask the same question about the empire. What boils, what it kind of boils down to, I think with the empire, with the rebellion, the, the dreamers, whoever it is, is they have this ideal, right? And then they have how they execute it. And a lot of times the ideal itself is great, even if you are talking about the empire, right? Having more unity amongst all the systems, having security, you know, having uh, a strong military against something like the Yuuzhan Vong who would come in, you know, and, and try to invade your, your section of space. But then you look at how those things are carried out and how a few bad apples can, can kind of topple that into something evil. And the entire thing is just such a, 
such an interesting thought experiment, um, you know, to tie it to, to modern day politics. This is fun even thinking about this. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it's, I think that with Inferno Squad in particular, Golden did a fantastic job. It made me uncomfortable, and I think that was the point. Absolutely. I mean, I th- and I think that's one thing that we're also learning a lot in, in modern politics, right, is that we're living in an age where everyone has the opportunity to be a little more informed, which means that everyone has the opportunity to be a little more uncomfortable. Because when you don't know certain things certain factions are doing, you can really live in a bubble of being like, well, I didn't know that, so I can sleep just fine. Or I didn't know this fact, so I'm a little more okay with it. Whereas the more informed you are, whether it is in real life or it's in Star Wars. Like, I mean, we see in Lost Stars, the more uh, when Thane learns what the Empire really is, okay, I'm out. Whereas Sienna's like, I think I can compartmentalize this a bit and stay in. And each character kind of has their own moral compass. And I find that to be really interesting to compare to people in real life. Because I think everyone does find their own breaking point, yeah. right? You are, I am okay with so much. And- and then I learned that's something. And that's Go ahead. kind of like what Star Wars canon has continued to seek to do, much to the chagrin of, I think, uh, certain elements of like Star Wars Twitter, right? Is they keep humanizing mm-hmm. imperial figures. And the reason is because mm-hmm. Star Wars is always committed to reminding you, and it's George Lucas uh, trying to remind himself that he doesn't want to become his father, that you too can become the Empire. And there are lots of good reasons that people supported the idea of empire. And it's the Clone Wars. The Clone Wars was horrific. It was a horrific uh, human, you know, alien tragedy that killed millions and millions of people. And the the galaxy was war war weary. They wanted it to stop, and they wanted, you know, this idea of order. And they were willing to do anything to have it, so that their planets weren't going to be ravaged by war. Um, and then you find these characters, and like Iden Versio is one of them, and you mentioned um, the folks in Lost Stars, is when their idealism breaks down, when they actually see past the reason they signed up for this, are they willing to accept the truth, or are they going to equivocate? And equivocation is kind of where politics goes to die, is where you're just like, well, you know, yeah. they did this, so I'm going to do this too. I've been on Twitter all week arguing with conservatives about the president's executive order um, regarding coronavirus aid money, which he doesn't have the authority to delegate. It's not an executive power. Uh, and they're going, but Obama. And I'm like, does Obama define the way that you, <laughs> you think about you're a conservative? <laughs> right. And so, right. you know, and that's, that's the way this goes, is when you are actually met with, like, your worldview falling apart, are you going to equivocate mm-hmm. or are you going to in- accept the truth? Yeah, well, hey, you know what? Let's take that and let's let's jump into another book. Speaking of the Clone Wars, right? Um, lately, we have talked a lot on this show about E.K. Johnston's Padme books, both Queen's Shadow and Queen's Peril. Exceedingly political, but exceedingly character-driven, especially in Shadow, where we see a lot of Padme in the Senate. We see a lot of Padme, again, having that frustration we talked about earlier, wanting to start off to do good and realizing, oh my god, there's so much red tape. There are so many games I have to play. In order to free slaves, I have to pretend that I care about concrete mixture. Like, there, there is so much mm-hmm. stuff she has to go through in that realm. And guys, I want to. I want to actually want to go to Corey. I haven't heard you. I haven't thrown anything to you in a little bit. Now your dogs are chill. Um, <laughs> what, what do you think in in this book specifically about the frustration of a new politician? Because I think that nowadays we have a lot of younger people, like in our own generation, that are getting into politics. Younger. We have younger senators. We have younger representatives. We have younger people that are starting to vote for the first time, especially in this election. What can we learn about being a young, idealistic politician having to go into like this? horrible system full of regulations yeah you you know i i think about this in my own political views a, a great deal it's like there's a there's a i don't know a fine line i feel like between idealism and and realism and cynicism you know what i mean like in absolutely i, I've, I have frequently been accused of being a, a cynic in my life and and I, i'm truly not i'm just not an idealist uh in a lot of ways i think so you know i i think that I think that in a lot of ways you want idealists leading the charge. You know, I, I think it takes that young energy, that young blood, that uh, that fierce passion that that is you sort of lose, I guess, with time as you understand the system. I, I think it's it's probably healthy for political systems to have that to have that type of uh, influence in a lot of ways, and we certainly see that through Padme is is by far the best example of this throughout. Mm-hmm 
Star Wars expanded universe is is she's such a she never really loses sight of that. You know, she does play the games and go through the hoops and all that sort of thing, but she doesn't really lose sight of of who she is in a lot of ways. And uh, I think that's refreshing. And I, I hope that our current politicians can find that in some ways. Yeah, I think it's really telling that Naboo is pitched as this like idealistic society, right? And it's simultaneously the society that Palpatine comes from which is, you know, ironic in its own way, but also it is so successful and so peaceful, and its head rulers are all girls that are, like, 13 years old. And that is why they are so successful. Steven, does that, like... I mean, obviously we think that was intentional, but what do you think that says about both Lucas's ideas about politics and kind of our evolution of politics starting, like, in 99 and on? Well, I think a, a couple of things. So it was somewhat intentional to have Naboo's political structure look the way that it does, um, in the movies and the books, you know, the idea of 13-year-old female rulers, by and large female rulers in Naboo, comes from Naboo valuing um, humility in their leaders. They value mm-hmm. people who are curious, uh, want to learn, don't have super set opinions and are willing to take guidance. Uh, the ultimate political lesson of Padme comes in episode one when she is willing to kneel in front of Boss Nass and the Gungans and tell them that she needs, uh, in fact... Um, you know, we depend on you. Our fate is in your hands. And this is against a species who, based on E.K. Johnson's writing, were very much treated like the Native Americans um, to European colonists. Um, they are, mm-hmm. are very much uh, divided, and the Gungans were very much uh, victimized by Naboo colonists. Um, and so with that in the backdrop, you just really look at Padme as someone who is willing to humble themselves before others, uh, except that she doesn't know everything and needs others to succeed. And you need that in politics. I actually take a little bit of issue with the idea that idealists are what is always needed, um, because I think that ad- idealists truly, truly believe in their ideas, uh, and that requires them to reject every other idea on the table. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a big mm. fan of political idealists, but I, I respect the sentiment. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and interestingly, that's that's going to lead us to the third book I actually wanted to kind of touch on here before we go, to, go into some bigger questions. Political idealists that kind of think their own way is so great, mainly because of some stuff that's happened before. That's a very specific type of person we're seeing nowadays. We're seeing a lot of people that are looking back to the past and kind of becoming so obsessed with it that they have... They are so reluctant to go forward. Like, we see this with people in the U.S. that glorify the Confederacy at this point that think that it is still something to be lauded, something to be praised, despite the fact that it makes modern day so difficult and it has a lot of horrible um, connotations for modern day people. And we see this in Claudia Gray's Bloodline, which Timothy actually mentioned as being his favorite canon book. It is a tremendous novel. Um, but it has a lot of, uh, and Stephen, this is your phrasing I'm going to use here, neo-imperial nostalgia, yeah. especially with Ransom Calsterfo. Like, he has all the imperial helmets. He has the imperial uniforms. He's like, oh, I'm just a collector. And it is really written like someone, you know, you go into someone's house and they got a bunch of Nazi paraphernalia around. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, that's such a strong image that was so crazy. In a book written only a couple of years ago, why do you think, Stephen, we're, we're, rounding back on that a little bit in relation to things like monuments in relation to things like an over-reliance in the past instead of a hope for the future. Yeah. So I, I just was blown away when I read bloodline and we got to the part about ransom Casterfo keeping Imperial relics in his office and the flag in his desk and, and how that felt when Leia encountered those materials, because I believe at the time that came out, I think the most recent major confederate kind of flag scandal or controversy was in charleston in south carolina after the church massacre mm-hmm. in charleston and that was when governor or then governor nikki haley took the move to remove confederate flags from state grounds and so now we're in a huge fever pitch of this debate um, but this has obviously been going on for decades um, and i thought what was just so striking about ransom Casterfo was that he was victimized by the empire He was somebody who lost his parents in imperial labor camps. He hated Darth Vader and the the emperor. But in general, he was somebody who did not like the idea of chaos. He was drawn towards Mm -hmm. the idea of the centrist party in the New Republic, which believed in centralized government, that everybody needed to adhere to a certain set of rules in the order of the Republic. 
where Leia led the populist party, which was more like every planet should have its own systems and laws and, and, and regulations and whatever, and they can do their own thing. Um, we have this argument all the time in the States, you know, it's, it's federalism uh, versus central government out of DC. Um, right, it's, right, it's right, all right. very familiar. <clears throat> Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, I, I, I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say that a lot of Star Wars politics generally, especially recently in the books, go a little more left, a little more liberal than right. But when you speak like that, I, the way a lot of conservatives, like true conservatives will describe yeah. it, they want states, they want what Leia's saying. They want a more populist idea. They want the states to kind of control their stuff, the federal government to get out of my life. In and theory. it's funny to... <laughs> In theory, yeah. exactly right. These are all in, in, as far as theoretical practices go. So I think that's also interesting in Star Wars that it's able to assign different political um, lines of thinking to different characters, regardless of mm -hmm. if they're a good character or a bad character. Yeah. And I think that oh, I think that can help with dialogue. I, I like to always say, like in, in Bloodline, I mean, Leia is being slightly neoconservative in her paranoia about um, yeah. the rising First Order and uh, extremism. Mm -hmm in neo-imperial movements. She is raising the alarm yeah. that there's a real threat out there, the Amaxine warriors, and that they're funding uh, a rebellion operation, which turns out to be the First Order. And no one will listen to her. And then what happens, <laughs> uh, they're all blown up by a weapon of mass destruction. And you take that and her professed uh, support for the idea of a decentralized galaxy where every system can do its own thing. And you go, okay, well, I mean, yeah, Star Wars skews left in its ideas, and I think it's writers and talent, and I think that's totally fine. But Leia oddly took on this sort of weird um, modern or actually like 1990s conservative idea um, yes. and, and vibe. Sure. And that's worth entertaining and talking about. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a it's really a more intel it's a more intellectual, philosophical, conservative perspective, and I've certainly always appreciated that about Princess Leia's character in the books has kind of always been like that in a lot of ways, and we certainly mm -hmm. saw that throughout Bloodline is her her own internal dialogue with uh, with like what does it mean? I mean, she sort of asked the question in a lot of ways: Is she wrong? Like, if I remember correctly, some of the internal dialogue she had about Kisterfo was like. Maybe I'm overreacting. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's just mm -hmm. a collector. Maybe this is not a big deal. Like it, it's it's very much an internal yeah. dialogue. Even a character like Princess Leia is not so certain of her own ideology that it's it's refreshing to see. And that I, in I think character. the the lesson that is important to try to take away from Ransom Casterfo is that you know he holds on to these imperial relics because in general he supported the idea of the empire, the stated idea, right? Unif yeah, unified right. Idea, system. Right peace, order, rule of law. And we, we obviously yeah. know where that went. And he was like, oh, well, they went too far. But what if we tried again? And there are so many people in our, our <laughs> left and right who want to try ideas mm -hmm. from the 20th century that uh, failed. Right. And there are millions of dead bodies to account for those bad ideas. But yet people right. still continually right. want to litigate uh, those ideas of these like 1940s and 1950s regimes sure um but sure. yeah and it's interesting to see like uh, on that point i think it's also interesting because you know you have the people that say well we wouldn't do it like that again there's no way like no, it, never. and it's right, just right. this idea or, or, or that, yeah. that didn't work because of these individuals and because yeah of stalin and it, he was a corrupt asshole right like, yeah, it, and, yeah and it's yeah. and it's and it also, also this i feel like this dialogue also comes from a place of of extraordinarily privilege and extraordinary privilege, and I think as like as four four white guys talking about Star Wars right now, we're no strangers to privilege, and I, I think there is an element of that that comes across in the modern day politics of like, well, I want to entertain this thought experiment because it won't really affect me too much. I can allow myself to entertain a thought because I'll probably be okay. And in Star Wars, I also think that's very interesting because you have the people from these planets, like in the Senate, right. Uh, our, our grand political image we talked about earlier. We have these senators that think that this this thing might work on this backwater planet, but I, I'm not going to go to Tatooine. Who cares? Whereas you have Padme, who comes back from Tatooine and is like, I had no idea slavery was still a thing. I had no idea that this actually happened everywhere else. We have to fix this. And a lot of the politicians are already like, nah, I don't know if I see that. Um, but, you know, I, I, I always find that interesting to kind of compare. Yeah. But... Um, as, as we kind of get to, uh, gosh, at the end of this hour is in 10 minutes already, which is insane. I've, I've, I've loved this talk, but I want to ask you guys 
some some general questions away from specific books. Um, Stephen, I want to throw you here and say, do you believe personally that Star Wars books going forward, um, we're getting a lot of new authors of various backgrounds, of various ideologies. It's really, really great as opposed to you know the 90s and 80s. There's like four types of people that can write yeah. Star Wars books. Um, but do you think going forward, Star Wars books have any kind of political duty other than escapism? Because they are being given to people of all ages, to maybe some younger readers that are learning about the world. What do you think? Yeah, um, they do have a duty. And Star Wars has never shied away from this, I think, more than in um, the recent Disney trilogy. But Star Wars and Lucasfilm in general, books in particular, are very um, bold in taking on autocracy, taking on the need for uh, democratic uh, government and we are in a moment where autocratic governments are rising all across the world uh, left right and center like populism is tearing our political fabric apart and we need to figure out a way uh, to come back to a, a moderate middle right and, and a system where people actually believe the government's working for them and believe that your vote counts and star wars can do this and star wars has been doing this for 40 years um, so I'm very excited about the stories they're going to continue to tell. I'm curious what they'll do in the Old Republic context, most of all, uh, to teach us about politics. Mm -hmm. But I think more than anything, Star Wars reminds us not to alienate the other. And at the end of the day, I think that's what goes wrong in politics so much. It just depends on who the other is to you. Without question. Um God, and honestly, on that, man, I want to ask you one last question before we, uh, we let you get out of here. Looking ahead, like you said, two things like the High Republic, uh, two things like the ending of the Alphabet Squadron, which you, meant, which you mentioned earlier, that is not shy away mm -hmm. from politics at all. Do you, do you think that there is a chance that, or a likelihood even, that the books going forward will get even a little more, for lack of a better f phrase, blunt or outspoken about the, the modern-day parallels? I mean, we don't want to get to the point where, like, the bad guy in a High Republic book, he has very orange skin and is very rich. Like, that's... That's annoying and like right and, and, and lazy writing. But do you do you think that there is going to be a point where some of the writers, who again are very outspoken online or are very active politically, get to a point where like okay, enough is enough. I've been given this license. Yeah. Let me be really obvious about what we should do. I mean, I think that is always a risk. Um, Star Wars works and changes people's hearts and minds when it is used in an analogous way. The more literal it gets, the mm -hmm. more it feels like a weapon. Um, in favor of some mm -hmm. people and against others. Um, you know, writer Chuck Wendig, I think, really like ran into uh, the meat grinder on this uh, just in the way that he would act and talk about politics on Twitter and ended up costing him his job. Um, and I think that Star Wars and Lucasfilm, just as a company, is really committed to keeping a broad audience. That's what makes Star Wars successful. Um, so they need to yeah. uh, be careful of having their affairs governed uh, by social media bubbles and instead appealing to the broadest amount of people possible in the country. Absolutely. Well, we are going to be here for all of it. Um, I, I, gosh, I mean, I'm reading the chat here. The people have been loving this talk. I hope you are all going to subscribe to Beltway Banthas because, my God, with the election coming up in November, man, this conversation has been so fun. Yeah. I can only imagine what We've you're going to be talking episode. about um, in the coming we're, months. We're coming out with a new episode. We're going to be switching to a monthly model for the next couple of months. Uh, and this next one is really exciting. It's called uh, What Star Wars Didn't Teach Us. And it's going to be an hour-long narrative episode about what Star Wars taught us about democracies and how they fall, but also what it didn't and why that might be blinding us to the way in which our own democracy in this moment might be crumbling because we're always looking for Palpatine. And in fact, it might be more insidious uh, than even that in reality. My God. Well, if that wasn't the most enticing plug you've heard all week, I don't know what you're doing. Um, now, that's the, that's the episode we are all waiting for already. But before we let you dip out of here and get to some Shark Week action, would you mind plugging uh, where, where people can find you both online, on Twitter, uh, what, what podcast places they can look for, all that stuff to make sure they get your content as quickly as they yeah, can. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Stephen with a PH underscore Kent89 and at Beltway Banthas. Uh, we're part of the RetroZap podcast network. Um, and the best way to really get in touch with what we're doing is sign up for our newsletter because that's where we really communicate with everybody. 
one about the politics of Star Wars, cool op-eds that are out there in the world of politics and Star Wars, and then just let you know when stuff is coming. So follow us on Twitter, and then we'll funnel you over towards those other things, get you involved in the Beltway Bampus podcast, where we are positive and excited about the politics of Star Wars and never treat it as taboo, divisive, or threatening. <laughs> that. It, it couldn't be more perfect if we tried. Joxie in our Twitch chat just linked uh, an Apple podcast to Beltway. So y'all go ahead and click that now. Uh, Steven, we're going to finish up here. You go ahead. Cancel out of the Zoom. We'll be just fine. Have a great night. And we'll, we'll get you back on here sooner rather Sounds than later. Good. May the force be with you. May the force be with you, Steven. We appreciate it. All right. Well, now it's just the three of us, guys. This, this oh. IQ of this show got a lot lower just now. <laughs> that was a blast, was it not? It was an absolute blast. That was so Man, fun. I, I, I tell you what, I think I just found my new favorite podcast. That I'm You're telling absolutely me. Absolutely subscribe to. Uh, fantastic. Man, I love that the Expanded Universe, it really is all about expanding on more than just, like, I've never really thought about the EU as expanding on ideology or expanding on yeah. your own personal growth and that sort of thing. There's a lot of interesting, interesting folks out there that can really bring new perspectives to star Wars. And it's super exciting to have another, another, another dude. That's so fantastic in the community. That's, that's doing some really great work. So absolutely check out his show and uh, man, I'm gonna get on his email list too. Yeah. And, and everyone, we are going to be doing, uh, everything we can to bring on more people like Steven onto this show that have really cool things to say about the expanded universe because again we, we, we love talking about it we love expanding on you know what kind of ships or like what or who is who is father like that's a good time but the more voices we can have on here the better so next week we're going to be having on Alice and Laura from Force Toast we had them on uh, last year when we were just starting out they have exploded uh, in the last year so we are so excited to talk to them about what they've been up to have a ton of laughs. Have a few drinks. It's going to be a really great night. So we will see you back here next Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern for that. And again, the audio will be going on for Patreon on Thursday and regular audio on Friday. Uh, before we get out of here officially, I want to remind you guys, Corey, Wednesday night, what should everyone be doing on Twitch? 7 p.m. Eastern time. Come hang out with me on Twitch. Let me play some KOTOR. I'm probably going to play for a while. Um, speaking of which, just got a new follow. Appreciate that. Joe, um, thank Joe you. Joe from Grinder. Yes! <laughs> follow. Excellent. Thank you. Excellent username there, buddy. Yes. Um, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, Wednesday, 7 p.m., going to be hanging out, playing some KOTOR probably. It's going to be a big blast. Uh, probably several hours, two, three hours of just gaming, hanging out. I'd love to get you guys in there. Um, I know it'll be a blast. So going to start that tradition. And probably every single week, I think, uh, we're going to play a huge variety of games. So um, it's going to be fun. Absolutely. And if you want to be like Joe from Grinder, make sure you hit a follow on this uh, Utini Twitch channel. Make sure you go head over to our YouTube channel. We didn't say it at the top, but they have been cranking out the reviews and videos like nothing else. We got new reviews and news articles over on Utini.com on the website you guys can check out. Make sure you're all up to date on everything going Utini-wise. But my friends, that is going to do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you are already supporting us over on Patreon, head over to Discord right now. You can join our Aftermath After Show video channel to hang out. $5 tier patrons get to listen. $10 patrons get to join in on the chat. A special thank you to Cheryl Bell, Alec Householder, Patrick Ortiz, and our Jedi High Council, and Sally and Chris Eilerson and our Lions High Command for your amazing support of this show and everything Utini does. You can find us on Twitter at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at DocStarWarsMD. Charles is at C. Hankel. Steven is at Beltway Bantha. Make sure to check him out. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Wes, our producer, community manager, and Ryan, who made all these incredible overlays for this live show. Thank you to Corey, Charles, Wes, and Steven for podcasting with me tonight. Thank you to all of you in the chat for hanging out. And as always, may the force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you.